Um, tonight, I want to talk about, as you can see, the, the picture behind me, about fixing our focus. For the most part, in life, if you plan to be successful, one, one of the things you need to do is you need to be focused, right? Think of every CEO, every, um, you know, billionaire, every whatever, and, and you would identify them probably as like a focus, like a driven person at one task. Now, it is probably true that there are some successful people out there who have, uh, you know, simply fallen into their success. But I would say for those people, it's usually a short-lived thing. It's those, those are the people who get their sort of 15 minutes of fame. It's like a, a quick flash in the pan, boom, they're here and, and then they're gone because they weren't focused. And so we thrive when we're focused and we fizzle out if we're not focused. This isn't just a spiritual understanding. This isn't just spiritual truth. This is, this is sort of something we understand in, in life as we know it. And so tonight, on this topic of focus, I want to look at the first half of Colossians 3. And if, we're, if we know that to be successful, we need to be focused, then I want to look at what it is we should be focused on or who it is we should be focused on and how we can fix our focus to be on things of God instead of on the things of earth. And so, if you would, let, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for another opportunity for us to gather together. For a while, we may have taken this for granted, and then there was a time that we all longed for this, and now we're a little bit away from that. But um, it's great to be gathered together in your presence, as you would want us to be. And so tonight, as I, as I teach, uh, take these words and, uh, and use them tonight. Um, I can't do this on my own, God. I, I need your help. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to fit in somewhere? There was a time in my life where, uh, looking back now, uh, that was probably the case of, of what was going on. When I was in high school, which is longer than I realize it is now, but when I was in high school, uh, screamo music was really popular. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's like a mixture between emo, like emotional music, mixed with like heavy, like hardcore, like, you know, like uh, screaming music. You know, you probably know what it is. Um, and this wasn't just like a worldly thing. In fact, it was probably, screamo was probably even more popular in like Christian circles, like Under Oath and Emery and... Uh, oh man, I'm blanking now. I should have written more down. But like, my my whole iPod was full of like Christian uh, screamo music, and with that music came this whole scene: the the clothes, the hairstyles, right? And so I had the like side swipe, long bang hair, you know, that you have to like flip out of your eyes all the time. And boy, did I ever! <laughs> Skinny jeans, sleeveless shirts. I would wear my studded belt, but like with the buckle at the back, because like who wears it at the front? I'd wear it at the back so you couldn't even see it. Uh, stretched earlobes. It was, it was a whole scene. And the thing was, I guess I wanted to fit in because, boy, I bought into it all. <laughs> and at some point, I, I, we should all, and I came to the realization, we should ask ourselves the question, is this really where I fit in? Am I, am, I forcing my, this, am I forcing myself into this sort of scene? 
or is this really where I belong? And it really was unnatural, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I recognize that. And so that old style that I used to have, it's now faded away as new styles come and go, and I have a mullet now instead of the long side swipe bangs, and I only just took the spacers out of my ears a couple months ago. I've switched to slim leg jeans instead of skinny jeans. That's a big move. Even though this still screams millennial dad, I know, I recognize it. Uh, You know my age just because of my pants, apparently. But the reason why I'm telling you all of this is because the same thing about fitting in, this applies to our spiritual life. We, We change to fit in more than we would like to admit that we do. The world is always trying to steal our focus. And over the time, over, you know, Years and years, or, you know, depending on as things change, eventually we sort of give in. Maybe in little areas here and there, sometimes maybe in major areas, but to some degree we give in. And so I imagine since you're here at church tonight, I imagine you consider yourself to be a Christian. But at some point along the, along the way, you've likely started to get a little too comfortable when it comes to fitting in with the world. And I believe that's because our focus shifts away from where it should be somewhere else. And even though we know the Bible says we don't belong to this world, at the same time, a lot of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, we still try really hard to fit in with this world. Now, being in the world is not the problem, right? In fact, a criticism I have about modern church culture is we do so much inside these four walls that we begin to like separate ourselves from the world. So, so please don't hear what I'm saying tonight and think that my point is the people out there, they're, you know, they're evil. They need to be avoided at all costs. That, that's not what I'm saying, okay? If they're lost, then they need the hope that we have in Jesus, right? So, so that's not what I'm saying. But if you're going to live in the world without fitting in, without being of the world, then we need to pay attention where our focus is. And we need to, along the way, make these adjustments to fix our focus. Now, I loved the show Canada's Worst Driver. Oh, man. I have seen every season, every episode, in some cases, more than once. I loved Canada's Worst Driver. And in the show, if, you don't, if you've never seen it, it's a Discovery Channel show that um, uh, they would take really bad drivers, like drivers you can't believe exist. And they would uh, show off how bad of drivers they are. And then they would teach them how to be better drivers. Oh, it was so entertaining to watch. And so early on, every single season, early in the season, this isn't like, a oh, by the way, one more thing. It's like, you know what, if we're going to start somewhere, let's start here, because this is a good place to start. Early on, they teach these terrible drivers while they're fixing their bad habits, they would always teach them Look where you want to go. You've probably were taught that too. If you did driver's ed or anything like that, your, your mom or your dad taught you how to drive, they would say, look where you want to go. Yes, I know their headlights are bright. Don't look at their headlights. You'll steer over into the lane. No, stay in your lane, right? Look where you want to go. And so they, in the show, they put them through these tests to show that if they look at the obstacle, their arms naturally steer them towards that obstacle. But... If they look where they want to go and they do their best to ignore those distractions and stay focused where they want to go, 
they'll naturally just avoid those things. And that's what I want to spend some time on tonight. When it comes to our spiritual lives, let's talk about where our eyes should be focused. And the first thing you should fix your focus on is heaven. Fix your focus on heaven. That's point number one. All right, we're working through Colossians. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Colossians chapter three, verses one to four. So, if you've been raised with Christ, so, if you consider yourself a Christian, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. These verses and others like it through the Bible, they they call us to seek the things above, to set our minds on things above. Set your mind, set your eyes, sorry, on our forever home, on heaven. We get caught up because my home is in Bradford, right? But my forever home is in heaven. I don't see my forever home. I see my Bradford. I see the grass needs to be cut or the the, uh, snow needs to be shoveled. I see those things. But my focus needs to be on my heavenly home. Don't get dragged down by the things and the possessions of this world. Paul wrote to the Philippians to teach them that that as well because we don't belong here. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian and you've given your life to Jesus, you have been raised with Christ, your citizenship is not Canadian. Your citizenship is not worldly, it's heavenly. Your home is with your spiritual family, the the family that we find in Jesus Christ. When you know who you are and who you belong to, it helps you focus on the right things. For a while, I thought I fit in with all the, the scene kids, all the like hardcore e- uh, screamo emo kids. And while I might have socially, heavenly was a different story. Earth is not our home. And when you fix your focus on heaven, you're making positive changes to avoid the distractions that would steer you in the wrong direction. Remember Canada's Rose Driver? Number two, fix your focus on new life. You probably know someone in your life who is sentimental about things. That's okay. You're allowed to be sentimental about things. You go on a a vacation. You want like a keepsake to remember that time, right? And then there's the people who are like really sentimental about old things. Uh, In extreme cases, you would call that person a hoarder who they, they can't get rid of every, any, not everything, anything. We all struggle with that to some degree. I, I'm not saying to that extreme, but there's, you know, there's some things in our lives that we could get rid of. For example, for me, right? I, I don't know about you, but it's probably the same. But if I was to go through my closet right now, and I was to look at all of those church shirts, I used to call them, <laughs> hanging there in the closet, I, I know I could, and even probably should, Give those away. Donate them. They just sit there collecting dust in my closet. So why don't I get rid of them? Well, I, I've tried this. I've gone into my closet and I've just kind of, okay, I kind of like that one. Oh, yeah, I wore that one recently. Oh, oh, here's this one. Hmm. 
you know, I'm probably never going to wear this shirt, but someone gave this to me as a gift. I can't give this away. Well, go to the next one. Ah, I can't get rid of that shirt. I wore that shirt when we took our engagement photos 13 years ago. Uh, Oh, I can't get rid of that one. What if that comes back in style? Or I might lose 50 pounds and fit back into that shirt. I can't get rid of it, right? We, we do this, or at least I do this. And I'm sure I can't be the only one. And so we do the same thing in our spiritual lives as we do in our physical lives. We, we hold on to old things. All the old things aren't shirts and, you know, things like that. They're our old sins that we've been freed from. And yet we, we hang on to those things. And so today is the day Maybe to go through your closet, sure, that's up to you. But today is the day to, to get rid of some of those old things that you are holding on to. When you follow Jesus, he gives you a new life. He gives you a new nature. You don't need to hold on to those old things anymore. And even if you've been a Christian for a long time, and even if you know this is true, unfortunately, a lot of Christians do this. We, we hang on to sins of the past, and we like internally punish ourselves for those things. We, we've been freed from those. We've been given a new name. We're not ruled by those sins anymore. So throw them away, or as Paul says, put them to death. Look, Colossians 3, 5 to 11. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Now, he gives a list here. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these... God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you, sorry, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all the following. Here's another list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, okay? But these are examples of what earthly things look like. When we were enslaved to sin, this is what our lives looked like. And even if you weren't like a wild child, even if you don't have a a crazy past, there's still examples in this list that we can relate to. Anger, greed, lust, lying. For some of you, you've knocked most of these things off off the list at one point or another. But regardless of your past, all that matters now is Jesus and the work that he has done in your life. So set your focus on that new nature, on that new life, and put to death the wickedness of of your past life of sin. Fix your focus on Jesus, the Savior, on your new nature, on your new life. Point number three, fix your focus on others. As Christians, we know that we're supposed to love others. Jesus said, right, that after loving God, it was the greatest instruction we've been given. Paul says, Romans 12, 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take lead in honoring one another. Don't wait to be honored. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Take the lead at honoring one another. You show love first. 
The question is, though, we, we know we should love. We know, we know we're supposed to, and we probably do from time to time. But do you genuinely love others? Or are we loving others because that's what Christians do? If you're doing that, if you're loving others just out of because you know you'll be recognized as, a, as that being a good thing, and then you can hopefully point people to Christ, like, keep doing it, but let's change our focus, okay? We are called to genuinely love others, not love others because we're supposed to. The love of Jesus isn't love of obligation. So, so keep that in mind as I read this next section, verse 12 to 16. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has grievances against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, through hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. He says, above all, put on love. What's the difference between genuine love and love that's centered of obligation? Well, genuine love is measured through mercy, our kindness, humility, gentleness, patience for others. Because if it were up to us, the way we would prefer to respond would be, you know, our first instincts. It would be things like, um, it wouldn't be mercy, kindness, and humility. It would be pride, anger, unforgiving, harsh, impatient. Again, maybe this is just me, but just think about sitting in traffic, right? You've got a slow person in front of you who's probably on, your fo- on their phone, and you're like, come on, everyone's go, go, right? It, that's being impatient. It is difficult for me to sometimes love the person in front of me <laughs> is sitting in traffic. It shouldn't be. I, I will tell myself, mm, no, a Christian would, yeah, but, but if I'm doing it because a Christian should, that's what I'm talking about. Instead, I should have compassion on that person. Maybe they're getting the, maybe they're having the worst day of their life right now. Maybe that text message that they got was, was a heartbreaking text message. Uh, the, uh, someone's in the hospital, you know, and, and something's going on. And here I am. Come on, let's go. We got places to be. Come on. One of the greatest ways we can focus on others is by making allowance for people to make mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. When we make allowance for the issues that we know will arise in relationships with others, we put ourselves in a place to genuinely love and forgive the people around us. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. It'd be pretty selfish. It'd be pretty unfair of us to expect it from God, but then not offer it to those around us. When we fix our focus on others and genuinely love them, We pursue the peace that Christ promises us, and we walk with the wisdom that he gives us. My last point, fix your focus on Jesus Christ. Now, I know this one sounds pretty obvious, okay? But but hear me out. Many of us have set our focus on Jesus at some point, okay? Like I said, probably Christians, we're, we're all here, right? 
But over time, something, things happen, and eventually that focus sort of slips away. Some of us become distracted by the, the things of the world. <laughs> I think about, like, uh, you know, what I read online and what I hear people around me, and, like, I think about how often I hear people complaining about the 30 seconds of airtime that the NFL gives Taylor Swift during the Chiefs games, and it's like... It's not that important. Or how about, how about uh, chat GPT and how AI is going to take over the world? Just try it. It's not that good. Or about the, the dangers of using p- plastic straws. Oh, no. I think it's time for us to, to put our focus back on Jesus. Those were all, you know, minor sort of issues. But there's so many of those little issues that, that, that sort of take our focus away from what really is important. It's so easy to lose focus in our day-to-day struggle. You know, that thing we call life. But most importantly, above all else, in all that we do, we have to keep our focus locked on Jesus. Colossians 3.17, last verse we'll look at tonight. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This leaves us with like the most important truth. As we're living our lives and the things that we say and the things that we do, we are essentially ambassadors for Jesus. You might be the only example of Christ someone sees. You're you're an ambassador right? You, you represent him. An ambassador is, you know, a figurehead, someone, someone who um, represents someone with, with much more power. But um, the governor general, right? That's the like, what used to be the queen's, right? Am I? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, now the king, I guess. But um, so he's not going to fly over here to be a figurehead. And so we have someone who is the ambassador, you know, a representative for, for him now. The identity of an ambassador is based on who they represent. Everything they say or do, it's as if the person they're representing is saying or doing those things. And so ideally, they would be in perfect alignment with the person or the government or whatever it is that they're representing. And as as an ambassador of Christ, that means you are not your own. You're an extension of the authority of heaven. You are a representative of the kingdom of God in all you say and everything you do. Your choices, well, maybe minor and and not that massive, they will show the world who you're focused on. Is it Jesus? Or is it the world? If everything we say and do represents Jesus... We need to continuously be putting our focus back onto him. It's impossible for us to live this out and to actually do this if our eyes are focused on anything or anyone else. He deserves our full attention. And so as I wrap up, let me ask you a few questions to consider. Does your life now look like a new life in Christ? Or does it look like a life that's still enslaved in sin? Surrender your past, present, and future to the one who is willing to make all things new in your heart. We've been given free will. It's a wonderful thing. 
for a great purpose, so that we would choose to love. Not that we would be obligated to love. It's not love if you're programmed to do it. And we've been given the choice to do it. Are you loving others because you know we're supposed to? Or are you genuinely loving others? You have the choice. Out of the freedom that God gave you, you can choose to love others and serve them or not. Make a decision to take the focus off yourself and put it on the people around you starting tonight, starting this week. Extend mercy, kindness, generosity, and love to them. We have a great hope in Jesus Christ and the world needs it desperately. That's why we focus on him because he's returning for us. If you're struggling, if you've lost the hope of Jesus in your life, I wonder if maybe your focus has just fallen off him onto something else that will never, ever be able to give you the hope that he does. We all want to focus on Jesus. The issue is we we slip up in a moment of mental weakness and we allow a distraction to steal our attention. If your mind has been caught up and polluted with the things of the world, you have to choose to surrender those things. Choose to set your focus on things of heaven. and Fix your focus back onto Jesus. Listen, I, I understand this is one of those things where it's way easier to say than to do. And I can sound like a brilliant mind. I know I'm not, but... I've got my life all put together. I'm talking to me just as much as I'm talking to you. Let's pray.